Hello, everyone. Welcome to Let's Go Up Podcast Edition, where we explore the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. We are your hosts. I'm Dean. Caritas. And today, Caritas, uh-huh. we're going to talk about the tree of life. Ooh, Ooh. this is going to be good. So, last week, tree of knowledge. This week, tree of life. Yes. And guess what? What? We're not even going to get there in two podcasts. We're going to have to take a third one. <laughs> yeah, that's what you think. Holy Spirit's like, it's going to be five. <laughs> Next week, I think we're going to get to infuse knowledge. Oh, oh leave, leave us hanging here now. We're going to leave them hanging two weeks in a row. <laughs> so if this podcast is encouraging to you, consider hitting like and subscribe. And if you want to be notified when we post a new podcast, hit the notification bell. Mm-hmm. When things happen, your phone just tells you everything. It tells you everything. Yeah. yeah. You know, in high school, can't remember if it was our chemistry teacher or what, but she caught somebody using a calculator to answer a question she asked in class. And she gave this huge lecture on how when we grow up, you're not going to have calculator in your pocket all the time and information at hand everywhere you go. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like, look at us now. Now we're like, too much information at hand now. Yeah. Can you tell me what's happening with your dove? Uh, still around. Still around. Still around. Yeah, I have not caught it yet for you. My husband has been trying to feed this dove mm-hmm. from his hand for weeks now. Nope, will not come. Yesterday, just stuck my hand out there, poured the seeds, and it came right. It started eating from my hand, put its little foot on my hand. Mm. And then so when I went in and told my husband, oh, hey, the dove just ate from my hand. What? <laughs> <laughs> First try. <laughs> So I'm getting closer and closer, Dean, I'm telling you, one day. Soon. One day, okay. I'll catch it for you, because you're very concerned that this dove is outside. No, oh, I'm actually need... more concerned that it's close to your house. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what dove tastes like. Too you far? See? Too far? With thoughts like that in your mind, I have no idea why this dove would ever eat from your hand. <laughs> it's a thrill seeker, this dove. It must be. <laughs> so, Caritas, it's summer. Summertime, yes. It was 30 degrees here today. Such a nice day. Beautiful. Loved it. A little smoky, but... Yeah, well, I don't know where that's coming from, but Canada is on fire. It's on fire. Right here, so I couldn't see flames anywhere, but... The glory of the Holy Spirit somewhere. <laughs> so question, mm-hmm. what's summer like in Iceland? Mm, I'd say not smoky, unless, mind you, there's a volcano erupting, which okay. who knows. <laughs> which could happen. <laughs> could happen. So how warm would it be today? I was looking at a cousin of mine's photos online, and it was sunny, yeah, blue skies, but they had on these winter coats and a toque. A toque. Or a beanie uh, for you Americans. <laughs> I don't know what they call them in Iceland, but <laughs> typically mid-June, mid-July is kind of your good weather okay. window. So I think today was like 17 degrees, quite warm. 17? Yeah. I was looking at my phone app. It showed like 13 degrees, 10 degrees, like kind of varies. But it's supposed to be a nice week up there, but with wind. So that could but change with things. wind, right. You also lived kind of on a little island, though, off the island, right? Yeah, yeah, extra so wind. So even extra wind there, yeah. <laughs> Very windy. You know, you just got to be okay with wind. You know, it's just a thing. Accept it. <laughs> It would be so windy. I once remember my dad was holding us. He had my sister in one hand and me in the other, and we couldn't even walk. He had to drag us back inside because the wind was so powerful. <laughs> right now, we've just passed solstice about a week ago. So what is solstice like in Iceland? It's the longest day of the year. So yeah. does the sun even go down? We were there, I think, five years ago or so, 
And in Reykjavik, the sun just set just below the horizon. So it was still bright. Mm-hmm. Like it was bizarre. You look outside the window at 2 a.m. and you don't have to let your eyes focus. You can just see everything. But when we went up north to Akiteri, it was just above the horizon. So it was very bright. Blackout curtains were a must. <laughs> so the sun is making a circle in the sky. Yeah. Very cool. Wow. So can you grow things in Iceland? Yeah. Hey, like I said, my cousin online and growing some lettuce and lettuce. some strawberries and hey. some mint and some, you know, cilantro or parsley. Things that things don't things grow. grow very tall. <laughs> Tundra plants. Yes, yes. We grow tall people, but our plants we keep small. What is that yeah. joke? What do you do if you get lost in an Icelandic forest? You stand up. Okay. <laughs> But that's the neat thing about going there is just the vastness. You can see so far. The landscape is amazing. If you can get that window of nice weather, those photos you see online of Iceland and in mm-hmm. your book, you got to be dedicated, right? You got to be willing to wait sometimes for those nice shots and that nice weather. You wait your chance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dress for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and go out and make life happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember because I grew up in the prairies. Mm. There's not a month that I haven't seen snow there. That is nuts. And the August. Weather, You've had snow in August. Yes. And in July, we have a big rodeo in Calgary called the mm. uh, Calgary Stampede. Yes, I've heard of this. It's famous. Mm-hmm. One year, I was sitting in the grandstand watching the rodeo, and it started snowing. <laughs> this is the second week of July. So much snow that all of the horses were slipping around. They had to shut things down. <laughs> Maybe six inches of snow. Wow. This is why the Americans, whenever we go down to the States, they, do you live in an igloo? Or, right. you know, they think it's so cold. I'm like, Canada's not that cold, but clearly it is. My cousin moved to Quebec, and I think for a little while she was using skis to get to work. <laughs> My uncle did have a dog sled, Siberian Huskies. Okay, Dean. So at Christmas time, that was our fun. Cool. Wow. Cool is right. <laughs> cool, very cool. cool. Yeah. <laughs> We do have something in the prairies called wind chill. Yeah. They tell it on the news in the morning. Exposed flesh today will freeze in 13 seconds. A little gruesome. Uh, So the tree of life. Let's see how you tie it all together there. Very nice. Bad transition. But but here we are. We're there now. This is how the best conversations start with the most awkward transitions. (laughs) Because, you know, conversation starter, the weather. We just talked about the weather for how long? That's like a good icebreaker. It's a good way to go. Talk about ice and your skin apparently freezing and icebreaker into topic. Bam. Mm-hmm. Bam, here we are. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Genesis 3.22 says, Behold, a man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. So obviously when they ate of the tree of good and evil, they did become like God. The serpent wasn't lying when he said, you'll be like God. God even admits, now they've become like one of us. Mm. And now, so they don't reach their hand out and also take of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord sent them out of the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which they were taken. And then he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So that was for their own protection. If they would have gone back and eaten from the tree of life, they would have been in serious trouble. What do you think in there? Permanent death forever. You're going to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then you're bringing a curse on yourself, and then you're going to eat from the tree of life and live forever in that 
state. In that cursed state. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. That would not be super fun to be stuck in for eternity. So sometimes, you know, what could appear to be this like harsh punishment, putting these guards up, not allowing us in, it was yeah. a very protective fatherly measure. Like It was a protective measure on his part. Mm-hmm. Very loving. I'm just thinking of something. There's a book of Adam, Adam 1 and Adam 2. Oh, yeah. These are just part of the Apocrypha. A lot of people say that you should not read out of the Apocrypha. What is the Apocrypha? It's a group of books that are not included in the canon of the Bible. These books didn't make the cut. Okay. So there was a couple books of Adam. Yeah, Adam 1 and Adam 2. They really felt jaded by God. Oh, yeah. All we did was eat from a tree. Like, (laughs) God, why did you kick us out? Totally overreacting. Totally overreacting, exactly. (laughs) That's the idea that you get from the book of Adam and the conversations that they had with God. It's like, okay, we're sorry. We won't do it again, all right? He's like, no. Don't eat from this one. It was the one rule. You had one job. You had one job. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They went and they stood in a river because they were trying to make a point to God. Mm. (laughs) God finally had to go and get them out of the river. Wow. (laughs) Well, can you imagine, you know, two people put in a place that they had never lived before, Mm -hmm. no real home, all on their own, have to figure out life. Well, I love how that one part, he says, God clothed them when they were suddenly aware, ashamed of their nakedness, fashioned them clothes. Fashioned them clothes, yeah. So shall we review, it was a long time ago that we talked about the Hebrew word to know. What they ate from was knowledge of good and evil things. So now they knew all about good things and they knew all about evil things. Hmm. The human quest for knowledge started, and it became about getting knowledge. Knowledge was survival to them. So knowledge became very important for humankind, Hmm. but the Hebrew word to know is a little bit of a different slant. You become intimate with a subject or a person, and then the knowledge comes later. It comes as a byproduct of that. Yeah. Hmm. So it's kind of important to keep that in mind because... You know, our English word know or to know or knowledge means something pretty different. Mm -hmm. It really does not carry the biblical slant. Mm -hmm. For instance, an Adam knew Eve. It's that same word, yada, to know, intimate first. In fact, knowledge can even conceive life. Mm, Wow. So that's why the tree of life is so important. It contained an encounter with God, an encounter with his glory. Mm-hmm. And it brought life. Pretty profound there. When you were talking about how Satan said, if you eat from this tree, you'll be like God, knowing. Yes. When I was reading this week, I came across in First Corinthians 2, he says, Yet we speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age or of the rulers of this age who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. Mm. That's so interesting. So it just got me thinking, the hidden wisdom God predestined before the ages to our glory. So there's this wisdom we've always been destined to have. Right. So there's wisdom that Satan tempted them with. He was planning on revealing it to us all along. He was. Hidden wisdom, predestined. Predestined for our glory, does it say? Before the ages to our glory. That's profound. I'm going to have to think about that for a minute. My brain does that too when I'm thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Because predestined wisdom. So God had it already stored up. 
he already knew the correct context that he wanted to reveal it to them in, and it was already predestined for us. To our glory. To our glory. And glory is the life and the light of heaven, rather than us trying to bypass the intimacy and the union and get it the other way, which led to our death. He goes on to say in that same section, this hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Mm-hmm. This is one of those ones where you're reading and I've read it before and it didn't pop out except this week. The Holy Spirit's like, okay, stop here for a second. What did that say? What did that say there about predestined? That's an amazing find right there. Mm, one of those little golden nuggets. So I'm just going to read this because I wrote it out carefully. Had we eaten from the tree of life, we would have first gained intimate union with our creator. We would have found ourselves feeding on presence and glory, which would have filled us with everlasting life. In that place, the father would have downloaded knowledge to us in a much different way. It would have come through union first. Mm. Then language would have been developed to understand what we had experienced and the result would have been eternal life rather than death. Oh, yes. So knowledge gained through union is filled with life, mm-hmm. and it even conceives life. Yeah, when you think about the garden, Adam and Eve, these beautiful created beings made in their father's likeness, walking with him, mm-hmm. no theology in the garden, mm. no denominations, no doctrine, just Greatest. You're like on fire tonight. <laughs> Relationship. <laughs> Just peace. No doctrine in the garden. No doctrine in the garden. Hey, that is almost a mic drop moment. <laughs> it might be too soon. Yeah. But you, you get what I'm saying though, right? Yeah. Like, not a bash on anything, yeah. but just that was the original design was presence. Fellowship, union, mm. and life. And the tree of life, had we eaten from it, would have given us eternal life in that state. Thankfully, through Jesus, we've been invited back there again. Mm-hmm. That sneaky gardener coming back. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Disguised as a gardener. I just love that part. It never gets old. Gets me every time. <laughs> so not random. <laughs> so planned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So purposeful. Yeah. There are a couple of verses I'd like to read that kind of fit in with what we're talking about here. One of my favorite verses, Ephesians 3.9, it talks about knowing the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. So there you are knowing the love of Christ. So you're having an intimate encounter Mm. with the love of Christ and it surpasses knowledge. So you really are looking at two types of knowledge there. Encountered knowledge that surpasses knowledge. It flies right by. Uh, I just need need a second on that one. (laughs) That's good. Wow. And then there's another verse that talks about knowledge. 1 Corinthians 8, 1 to 2. We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes one conceited, but love builds up. Mm. So once again, it's contrasting knowledge and encountered love. If anyone thinks that he knows anything, he is not yet known as he ought to know. A burn. (laughs) (laughs) So the moment that you think that you know something, evidently the scripture says you don't really know anything at all. Comes right out of the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Don't shoot the messenger. Yeah. <laughs> wow. 
there's a lot of fear of saying something that might be, you know, construed wrong or maybe that's wrong. But I just feel like in the presence of God, he's not going to say, Dean, you went too far with my fullness and my goodness. Tone it down. I just feel like he's like, man, you were excited about your dad and you were hungry for me and you loved me so much. This is meant to be so exciting and it gets exciting the more you're in his presence and the more you walk with him and realize his nature. I could just ramble on and on and on. (laughs) Hmm. So we can know something so deeply that it surpasses knowledge. That worldly knowledge that comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil Mm -hmm. and the other kind of knowledge, the encountered knowledge of the love of Christ Mm -hmm. definitely comes from the tree of life. Yeah. And there's such a contrast in how you respond to situations in this world, things that are hot topics often Mm -hmm. that create a lot of division and strife. Yeah. You see the difference in someone who's responding from this relationship and this knowing Christ Mm and how they respond because they're responding out of that place of love versus knowledge. Right. That type of knowledge often brings a very confrontational type style to it. Yeah. I feel like when you know the Father, it's probably almost impossible to be offended. Even if someone's saying something to you that's completely wrong. I don't know. Someone says something to me about my husband and his character, his nature. I feel like I could correct them from a very calm place because I'm so aware of his true nature Mm -hmm. and his true character that I wouldn't need to get agitated by something false coming towards me because it doesn't change my view of it. This is a complete bunny trail, (laughs) but I actually feel that that is the biblical definition of taking the Lord's name in vain, not representing his character because his character and his name, he's exalted his name. And so his name carries his character. Yeah. Just like your husband's name carries his character. Mm. And so if somebody would say something about him that you know is not true because you know his character... Mm. In the same way, if we say something about God that is not true about his character, Whoa, yes. we're taking his name in vain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Complete bunny trail, like I yeah. said. Veering back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> side note. Okay, we're back. We're back. That's awesome. Here though. we are. I love me a good side note. <laughs> little detour, you know? Little, little detour. scenic bypass there. That's right. We just little, took the... little nugget to think about. Yeah. <laughs> Feeding on knowledge is entrenched in our culture. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get away from it. We chose that path. And in some ways, it's become synonymous with our survival mm-hmm. and our advancement. As a human As a species. human race, yeah. So that's why we must become a new species. <laughs> as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. Whoa. <laughs> but we do have a new nature. Mm-hmm. We've been made brand new, mm-hmm. kinos, new creation. Yeah. So we can live in a different way. We've been made complete in Christ. Yeah. One with him, the mind of Christ. A lot changed. There's a lot more to this story. <laughs> mm-hmm. One thing I was thinking about is how knowledge has become very important sometimes or overemphasized even in our church gatherings. Mm. Oftentimes we have a lot of knowledge feeding going on. Like I don't want to judge anybody, but sometimes I wonder if we're looking for something from the old man, rather than feeding on the presence of God and receiving life-giving words from the presence. Yeah. There is a difference there, right? Yeah. 
if we feed on that kind of knowledge in our gatherings, we're not going to thrive and we're not going to see life in our gatherings. Mm -hmm. It's always going to default to death in some way or another. And then we're going to need reviving. So we seek after revival because we're eating from the wrong thing. But if we would eat from the right thing, we wouldn't need reviving because there would be life there. So I think what God does is he throws us a lifeline and he reveals his presence to us in our gatherings and we receive life from it and we revive and we perk up and it's revival and it's wonderful. It's an environment of his glory and presence for a time. Mm -hmm. But if we don't steward that life and if we go back to feeding on knowledge again, then we slide down again. It's like having to have the paddles put on you. You know oh, yeah. <laughs> para- how a paramedic comes and... Yeah, it's got to shock your heart. Shock, if it really... <laughs> you. That's what revival is like. It's like a shock treatment. But if you have to constantly have the paddles over and over again, hmm. why don't we just eat from the right thing? Yeah. Why don't we just feed on the presence and stay in life? Hmm. Whoa. Rather than always mm-hmm. defaulting back yeah. to what we were doing before that brought us to the place of death. Whoa. That's good. I don't know. I like that analogy. It reminds me of this friend I had who was a nurse. She just felt such a strong calling where she felt like helping people before they were in the situation of needing reviving. But if I could get to them before that point, like she really felt a calling to go after wholeness and health. Wholeness, right. Pre-sickness, really teaching people and helping people avoid needing the resuscitation. It's actually quite challenging because if you're not currently sick, I think a lot of people don't see any need for it. Mm -hmm. When they get sick, often they're very motivated. But then once they start feeling well again, so often they'll slip back into those old patterns. So it's been a big learning curve for her in life, (laughs) realizing that sometimes something you're so passionate and called for isn't necessarily going to be received Mm. well. And I feel like that with this message, you can live filled with life. Mm-hmm. full and free without needing defibrillated or cardioverted or shocked or anything. Yeah. You just, you don't need a ventilator. <laughs> you don't need me to throw you some bread. You are filled with the bread of life. Mm-hmm. You are alive. But do we believe it? Jesus did say, give us this day our daily bread, part of the prayer that we're supposed to pray. Daily bread is a reference to the bread of the presence in the tabernacle, mm. the showbread. They used to make it with yeah. oil, unleavened flour, and they used to bake it, put it on a table, and let it sit mm. and marinate in the presence of God. Some holy bread. Very wow. holy bread. <laughs> I actually have a couple of verses about it. Let me see if so I can. So someone at work saw you kind of gazing off into the distance and they asked, hey, Dean, what you thinking? Penny for your thoughts? Bread. <laughs> I'm thinking about the show bread. I've been thinking about bread for days. <laughs> they slowly back away. <laughs> <laughs> they would slowly back away. Numbers 4-7. Next, they must spread out a blue cloth over the table where the bread of the presence is displayed. And on the cloth, they will place the bowls, the ladles, the jars, the pitchers, and the special bread. The bread of the presence was laid on a blue cloth. It tells here how it was baked. It was a thin cake of bread made without yeast mixed with olive oil. Oil can significate. Notification. <laughs> I feel like we're good at signify. making up We're good at making up words on this pod show. We are. Significate. Significate. Oil <laughs> significates two things. Of course, the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. But there is also the oil of union. Oh. How precious it is 
for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. It is like the oil running down, and it talks about running down on the garment of the priests. So oil of union or oil of the Holy Spirit, olive oil mixed with flour Mm. in the bread of the presence, union, Holy Spirit, the bread, saturated with the presence of God. That is now our daily bread. Wow. Now, if you said this to the guy who approached you at work asking Penny for your thoughts, the crickets, and then he'd be backing away. (laughs) What? He'd be like, okay. Wow, Dean. Jesus also said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So if you think about it in the garden, Adam and Eve had a word from God in the garden. They knew where they were supposed to go, what they were supposed to eat, what they were supposed to stay away from. But the serpent got them to second guess that. Yeah. And so at that point in time, they were no longer living by the word of God. They Mm. were questioning the word of God. Yeah. And that's what got them into trouble. Yeah. So what if we just lived a life not questioning the word? (laughs) That's what we need to do. The word of God, when it comes to you, it's always received in some way in our heart, right? Mm. And then the enemy does certain things to try to take it away. Because once that takes root in us, it can grow wonderful things in our life, right? Yes. And then Jesus said, I am the bread of life. His famous sermon that didn't draw people to him, but (laughs) made them go away. Yeah, things got awkward. And he was okay with that, okay? He's got this, you know, amazing ministry. Look at all these people coming. The crowds were there. Yes. And what did they say? You will drink my blood. And (laughs) eat eat my flesh. flesh, And they all scatter. And I have a very strong feeling he knew they were going to all scatter. He knew exactly what he was doing. (laughs) So he didn't need the numbers at that point. (laughs) He never needed numbers, did he? (laughs) I wanted to read some verses from that famous non-sermon. It's in John 6. Jesus answered them and said, Truly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate some of the loaves that were filled. So he had just finished feeding the 5,000 here. Listen to this. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, Mm. which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father God has set his seal. I never saw that part before. I just read that this week. The Father has set his seal. We talked about the seal Mm. as being like the engagement ring, the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Just an interesting thought all around. It made my head go, what? (laughs) I don't really know what it means. I don't have language for it, but Mm. it was just very interesting. There's more depth to a lot of this than we understand yet. Father reveals it to us when we're ready and when we can handle it. Then Jesus goes on, starts talking about manna, but he says, you ate the manna and you were hungry the next day. Mm. But the kind of bread that I'm going to give you, if you eat it, you'll never be hungry again. And the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus replied and said, I am the bread of life. Straight out. Yeah. Then he starts talking about how we need to eat Mm. his flesh and drink his blood. And like you said, things got a little strange. (laughs) He does say one other interesting thing in here. Once again, this is something I noticed and I don't have language for it either. But Jesus says several times in here, those who the Father has given me will come to me. And he says in another place, those who the Father has given to me are mine. Mm. They were yours and you gave them to me. Now they're mine and they're still yours, but now you've given them to me. So he talks about coming to him. So in that coming to him, I think he's talking about that union. 
you search the scriptures because in them you think you find eternal life, but they speak of me and you won't come to me. So it's about coming to him. Yeah. Face to face with our Savior. Caritas, what could be better than that? (laughs) What kind of a life have we been given? It exceeds all expectations and he's given it to us and all we need to do is come to him. And then he goes on and says, stop complaining about what I said. (laughs) For no one can come to me unless the father who has sent me draws them to me. And then Jesus says something so interesting here. As it is written in the scriptures, they will all be taught by God. He quotes from the Old Testament. So he's talking about a whole new way of being taught. Mm-hmm. So even teaching is being brought into a new light. Here it says, Isaiah 54, All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. And in another place he says, You'll no longer need a teacher. Each one of you will know the Lord. Mm-hmm. You will know yeah. him. And you'll hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. So he's talking about being taught by the Lord. Yeah. Everyone will know him and be taught by him. Mm-hmm. Right in the middle of this talk mm-hmm. on eating wow. his flesh and drinking his blood. Hmm. I never knew that that was in there before. I just saw that this week. Only those who the Father draws. Yeah. I think it's easy to think, well, then, you know, he doesn't draw everybody. But I, I feel like he draws everyone. He wants everyone. I feel like you need to yield to the drawing. Yeah, it's not him that's not drawing. He draws, he wants everyone. There's no one too far That's right. from his love. But it's often our roadblock. And this is where us as carriers of Jesus and the Holy Spirit can come and help, you know, remove some of those, <laughs> bring them some Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. So here we have union talk. I in you, you in me. This is a very intimate act of union. I guess in a roundabout way, he's talking about communion. His flesh became food and his blood became drink. But he is also talking about the tree of life because there's very similar language that we read right in the beginning of this podcast where God said, if they would have eaten from the tree of life, they would have lived forever. Here Jesus actually says, anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. They will live forever. So Jesus has become the tree of life to us. You know, I used to say Mm. that the cross is the reincarnated tree of life, and it is. And when we take communion, we eat from that. But Jesus himself, union with him, is the tree of life to us, right? I'm talking about moving past the cross here Mm -hmm. into union with him, and that also being part of the expression of the tree of life in our lives. Yeah, I feel like that makes sense. When you had said the other week, That scripture where Jesus said, the son of man has come to save that which was lost. Mm -hmm. All that was lost in the garden, the tree of life, that union, that relationship, that presence, the oneness, Mm -hmm. just walking with our father. And you're a son. You're not a, whatever term we come up with in religion, you're not a Pharisee, you're not Christian, you're not a Catholic, you're a son. Who was it, Caritas, that said, you're not a Christian, you're a son? Oh, that was Chris Blackaby. Chris Blackaby. He made this really profound point in this revelation he had. I am not a Christian. That was a term that people came up with to describe describe us. Yeah, like, oh, let's call them Christians because they follow this Christ. But when we are born again, we're born again as a new creation. Our DNA changes. We change. We're sons and daughters. We have a new father. 
everything tied to your old, gone. You are now a son of God. And a daughter. And a daughter of God. The entire new birth experience. Mm -hmm. First of all, you're talking about birth. A birth is a family ordeal. Then you're talking about a father. Then you're talking about sons and daughters. Mm. You're talking about Jesus, who the Bible describes as our elder brother. And he's not ashamed to be called. The first of many. The first of many, yeah. Right? So moving on here on our thought. Wait, wait, are we done on this side tour? This is like a good... It was a good, a good side detour. tour. Really good Really detour. good. Should we say the part about, what do you mean, show me the father? No? Oh, <laughs> really? We're going there, are we? <laughs> Does, is that that is going is that so not... far out. Okay, Dean, I want to go so far out on this detour. Okay. This is another podcast. You know that, right? <laughs> I'm just going to drop a little... Drop a you know bomb. You, have you ever gone on a road trip and you, you see the sign for some national park and you make a mental note, we're going to go in there one day, next road trip, not this one. We don't have time, kids. We've got a schedule to keep. This is one of those. Hey, do you remember? It was a Philip that said to yeah. Jesus, well, just show us the Father. And he's like, what do you mean, show you the Father? Have I not been with you for so long? Like, how long do and I you need You don't to, even know me? You don't even know me? When you see me, you see the Father. Yeah. Okay. When people say to you, Dean, if you just showed me Jesus, you know, then I'd believe. If I saw him, what do you mean, show you Jesus? How long have I been with you? Do you not know that me and Jesus are one? I am in him and he is in me. If you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. Kratos. Whoa. Okay, detour Whoa. kids, get back in the RV. We are definitely coming back to that. Detour right here. Back on track. Perfect. <laughs> I have some Tree of Life verses for you. <laughs> All right, Tree of Life. Yeah. Proverbs 13, 12. We're going back there. Listen to this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire when it is fulfilled is a tree of life. Oh. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. Proverbs 15, 4. So gentleness when we speak evidently ministers life. Tone down a harsh word with a gentle word. Yeah, Yeah, because you don't really see responding to the harsh word with another harsh word ever really going that well. Feeding the fire of argument with the gentle word. Wow. You know, that reminds me the other day we were at a park, quiet, alone, beautiful setting. And when we were leaving, these youths were coming in and they had just chucked all their garbage all over the grass. Bubbling brook and the sun glowing. It was just so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And my husband, just so full of Jesus, picks up the garbage walks it to the garbage can. By then they were kind of sitting by the garbage can and just puts it in and smiles at them. He genuinely sees people for their potential, right? Mm -hmm. So he's, have a good day and keeps going. That gentle, life-filled gesture. I'll put your stuff in the garbage, kind of like Jesus did for us with our sins. There you go. I'll take your stuff. Exactly what Jesus did. And I'll put it in the garbage for you. And he did it with a smile. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, those kids just got a taste of the tree of life. They did. Such a good illustration. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean, show me Jesus? There's Mm. a couple more here. These are all in Proverbs. Proverbs talks a lot about the tree of life. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Yeah, if we've we've been made righteous with his righteousness, Mm -hmm. we now have a righteous nature, which I feel like we don't claim enough. Like we're very good at claiming the sin nature, which Jesus took. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. How many people say, oh yeah, that was my righteous nature. Can't help it. (laughs) (laughs) Fritas, where do you come up with that stuff? It makes sense though, okay? Mm, Okay. But yeah, the, the fruits from that. The fruits from the righteous nature. So, so your joy, like when you think about the fruits and stuff and your joy and your peace, it's not just Dean's this happy, joyful, peaceful, easy guy. It's actually life mm-hmm. on this planet. The fruit that comes out of our life is supposed to be the fruit of the Spirit. 
and people come and they pick that fruit. Mm. So if a person comes into our life during the day that's in need of peace and we carry peace, they can pick that peace off of us. And that is the tree of life. Joy, love, wholeness, gentleness. All the fullness. Mm-hmm. Juicy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Something. you're going through your, your sound tree effect Tree of life. <laughs> and going through my roster of sound effects. You need a new button for juicy. Moving on. Yeah. Proverbs 3.18, talking about wisdom. She, wisdom, is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Wisdom is part of the knowledge group, Hmm. knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. So a redeemed version of wisdom, the wisdom that was there with the Father in the beginning when he created the earth, that wisdom, if we take hold of it, is tree of life. So in the tree of life, there you go. Wisdom was there in the tree of life. Wisdom Mm -hmm. and knowledge were there in that tree. So we could have just been hanging out in the garden with our father and having it all. That's right. We could have had it all. (laughs) But now we can again. Yeah. Do we believe this? That we can have it all again? I believe. I believe. There's a couple more verses in Revelation that talk about the tree of life directly. I love this verse. Revelation 2 verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes. So I looked up that word overcome. Oh, it's a great of word. Of course you did. <laughs> it's a great word. Like, There's more to this. It means to subdue, mm-hmm. to conquer, overcome, prevail, to get victory. Mm-hmm. There's another similar verse in First John that says, You are from God, little children, and you have overcome, because mm-hmm. greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That's the exact same word, overcome. But anyhow, to him who overcomes... I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the middle of the paradise of God. Paradise is an enclosure, garden, park, or a pleasure ground. Wow. And right before that, he's talking, you know, you've done all this amazing stuff. Yep. Can't bear those who do evil. You've tested those who said they're apostles. And he goes on and on. But I have this against you. You've left your first love. Oh, yeah. If our focus is constantly on sin or not sinning, Good and evil. Such a good point, Karita. We've lost focus of our Once first again, love. Mic drop. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> you know, I've looked at that verse before, and I've thought about it in the context of, oh, it's in the paradise of God, and we can go to heaven, and we can eat from it now, and we can go there now. But the way that you've just described it takes it to a whole nother level. Uh. These are the people that are defending the faith. Like Paul did. They're putting people to the test. Mm -hmm. They're true prophets. They're a false prophet. Mm -hmm. They're persevering. And you might be right in some of those things. Yeah. But have you left your first love? Right. Just like in Corinthians, in the love chapter, you know, you can do all these things. You can have faith that moves mountains, Mm -hmm. but without love. Give your body to be burned. You can be a martyr. Yeah. These are some pretty intense intense uh, things. People. But without love, without your first love, right? without him, without eating from that tree. And then once you reunite with your first love, and once you're in union with that love, now you're in the paradise of God, and now you're going to have access to the tree of life. And that's what it's like to be an overcomer. Yeah. Let's just pause there for a... Let's just pause there for a moment of silence. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. (laughs) So one last verse on the tree of life, 
I also love this verse. It's Revelation 22, 2. In the middle of its street, here it's talking about the heavenly city, and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So I read a book called Paradise in the City, and in there they described how people would go to heaven and they would grab those big leaves and they would just... They would just hold them and smell them. And the fragrance coming from them was so strong that it would go into their lungs and it would heal their bodies. Maybe we need to start smelling things when we're using more of our senses. Yeah. Every month, a new type of fruit. It says it bears 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every so month. So no winter, no dormant season for this no, tree. It's a year-round tree, by the way, mm-hmm. in that same book. It describes the fruit of the tree of life. It calls it breadfruit. Ooh, whoa. It has a bread type of texture Mm. to it. Very interesting. I am the bread of life, Jesus said. Breadfruit. Yeah. So the tree of life, that Mm. is our food. We were supposed to eat from that, and we Mm. still can. It's been re-gifted to us. Mm Mm-hmm. In Jesus, in paradise, in union with him, mm-hmm. in coming back to our first love, the tree of life. And in our gatherings, I beg you, pastors, let your people eat from the tree of life. Mm. And I'm saying that with all sincerity. As someone who's been a pastor for yes. many years. Don't feed them with knowledge. Let them experience God's presence. Mm. In his presence, they will find their food. Mm-hmm. There is another way presence yeah mm-hmm. wow the tree of life so Cretus, next week we're going to talk more about infused knowledge and how it comes to us i think that's where we've been trying to get to mm. we're almost there mm-hmm. next week we will be there so thank you for joining us today Cretus. it's been an awesome conversation it really has so good mm-hmm. yeah and if you want any more information we have a website at letsgoup.us yeah yeah it's great check it out All right. Have a fantastic week, guys. Yep. We'll see you next time. Bye.